0: Welcome in, everyone, to the Sunday Recap. So glad you joined us today on this special episode, because uh, today we are uh, just hanging out. This is Ariel Eldridge and myself. Ariel, hey. How you doing? I'm great. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. Merry Christmas, Merry by the way. Merry Christmas. This week is Christmas, and uh, we're super excited. We are... At our family, in our family, Christmas is like the holiday. That's I mean, awesome. Yeah, I don't know. What's it like in your in your Yeah, in your
1: house? I think I think so too. I think this goes way beyond birthdays. Oh yeah, big time. Oh yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything. I mean, you know, Easter is a great time to be together and to come to church and uh, eat pie and eat pie. <laughs> oh sure, uh, but really, Christmas has so much buildup that yes. it's just you, you, you're you're waiting on the waiting. Yeah. The celebrating of the waiting. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. It's good. We, we, this year, it was so funny. We were, I don't know. I think Erica was starting to feel a little bit bummed out. You know, it's 2020. Everyone's at home all the time yes. and all that stuff. And so she's like, we are decorating first week of November. I'm like, okay, here we <laughs> go. So we, we took like two weekends and we did christmas lights outside and we decorated the whole house and put up trees and did extra decorations this year nice. and just wanted to put up all of the christmas stuff just to bring some some christmas joy oh, into I the house so. I
1: love it I admire people who really go all out decorating like i have a friend who's like all of her family photos in her living room have santa hats in on yeah. them. They, they decorate That's everything fun. it's great i just love that That's i just cool. don't have that kind of like oomph.
0: I uh, no, totally, totally. <laughs> we I, got the tree up. Honestly, I really don't either. Um, if it was just up to me, I probably wouldn't do as you, much. You've said that. You've yeah. said that. The
1: joy and the sparkle in your family comes from Erica. It comes from Erica.
0: It really, <laughs> I it. it. really is. It really is.
1: She's awesome.
0: <laughs> well, um, as far as what's going on in the life of our church right now, I just want to remind you of a couple things. First of all, if you are listening to this, uh, before our Christmas Eve services, just mm-hmm. a reminder, our Christmas Eve services are happening this Thursday, uh, on Christmas Eve, December 24th at 2:30, 4 PM and 5 PM. And you can also watch online at four and five 30. So, um, so make sure that you are a part of that celebration with us. We, we would love for you to be a part of that celebrating Christmas with your church family here at Stones. So, um, so yeah, so make that part of your, your family tradition this year. The other thing to let you know about too is uh, we've got membership class that's coming up in January. And again, if you're not a member here at Stones Crossing Church and you wanna learn more about that, reach out to uh, really any one of us, Ariel, Mitch, or myself, because we we would love to talk with you about membership and, and what that means. Membership class is a great way to get um, kind of started at Stones in some ways because it gives you an opportunity to learn about what Stones Crossing Church is all about, what we believe, and why we do the things that we do. Um, and it's also a opportunity to um, kind of learn how to get plugged in and and uh, connected in a lot of different ways. What's nice too is you are not on the hook for becoming a member just by taking the class. You can just come take the class. Yeah, yeah. So it's a chance. It's a chance to kind of do that. So. Um, Ariel, you've been teaching the membership class now for two years?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think how many classes we've had.
0: Yeah, we've had quite, it's quite had a few. A, it's a few. Yeah. 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 Um, and so what has been for you the biggest takeaway that you have gotten from membership class as you've been looking at this?
1: I mean, well, my role is Connection instructor, And so what I'm doing is I'm helping people feel like they are part of the body and getting invested in, and just grafted into our local context here at Stones. Yeah, And I get to teach on big church, little church, big sea church, little little sea church. So yeah. the difference between church universal and the local church and just how much more my love for our local church, our local body grows each time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a
1: really neat thing and it's biblical to just walk through how um, you know our um, our church fathers and the apostles have kind of laid out for us scripturally how the the local church can run um, with the headship of Christ and mm. it's it's a neat it's a neat way to just help our people understand what the Lord has been doing through uh, this context. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's great, that's awesome. So if you're interested in jumping into membership, then it's going to be on January 22nd and 23rd. It's a Friday night and a Saturday morning. You can register online at stonescrossing.com slash new, or you can just reach out to one of us. Uh, you can find all of our contact information on the website. We'd love to see you there. Well, Ariel, we're going to do something a little different today. We're not going to actually do a sermon recap uh, this week because we're actually recording this a little bit early, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) But... Uh, we just tipped everybody off to what's know, going on. I know. You sorry just revealed that. the secret. Sorry, guys.
1: Sorry. It's okay. Yeah.
0: Um, but it's going to be the holidays, and so uh, so we're going to do this special episode today, and we're going to actually take next week off where there's not uh, not going to be any Sunday recap that week between Christmas and New Year's, and we'll be back in January. So that's that's the plan. But um, what we want to do today is kind of give a special little episode about Advent. Mm-hmm. About Advent. We use that term a lot. Um here at Stones, uh, during this season, why, what, what does it mean? Like, what is, what is Advent? What is what? Like, I I mean, we don't use it very often in in any other context other than church. So what is Advent all about?
1: Advent is, is arrival. It's anticipation of arrival. And, uh, so we see this all throughout scripture of waiting for uh, the Messiah. And then we see it in the church age as we're waiting for the Messiah to come back. Um, and to have the final consummation of things for the day of the Lord. right. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah, so Christmas is like the first advent, yes, and now we're anticipating the second advent, the second, yeah. the second coming of Christ. There was a story, um, I always think this story is really fascinating in Luke chapter two, so that, you know this is very, you know, part of your Christmas narrative, mm-hmm. all that stuff. In Luke chapter two, there's this story of Mary and Joseph, and they're taking the the, the newly born baby Jesus to Jerusalem to present him at the temple. Now, this was a big deal. Um, uh, Part of the law, uh, Mosaic law, was that they were supposed to take newborn, your your firstborn uh, male child, and bring them to the temple, and you pay five shekels, and um, there's supposed to be this presentation um, Mm -hmm. there. And the five shekels was basically a redemption price uh, because... there's a lot of law that goes into this, but but essentially, what was supposed to happen is the the firstborn child was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord. Uh-huh. Um, but in order to redeem them from that, so that they could actually be free and do what they want to do, then you paid this 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 fee, this five shekel fee, and that was that was part of God's law to do that. And it has all sorts of significance and purpose. So starting at verse 22, this is Luke Luke 2, starting at 22. And this is what happens. It says, "When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses." They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Okay, so that's the whole law side of it. They're they're fulfilling this part of the law, which is really actually neat just as a side note Mm -hmm. because it's... Here's Jesus fulfilling the law for us even as a baby. Yeah. Way to go, Jesus. Well, I've got a question. I <laughs> yeah. have a
1: question. So it says when the time came for their purification. So would this be where Mary is making atonement for her purification after
0: That could be af- after childbirth. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, that could be it. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe this was closer. I, I didn't think about that. Maybe this is closer to the time of, of the birth Okay. Than, than, than I thought before. So that's a great point. Well, verse 25. It says now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or um so the word Christ is another word for for messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so important point there twenty seven and he came in the spirit in. and for glory to your people, Israel.
1: Mm-hmm. So he's quoting something, right?
0: Yes. What is he quoting? Let's take a look.
1: Because I think it's fascinating that he's already speaking a light of, for revelation to the Gentiles here in a Jewish temple. When that would have been like,
0: what? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, which is, which is mind boggling to think that like, he just knows. He, like, because it doesn't say how he knows that this yeah. is the baby, but he's, but he does know, um, the, it's not an exact quote, but, but there's an allusion to Isaiah 52, 10, um, Psalm 98, two, there's a couple different cross mm-hmm. references in there that I can see a bunch from Isaiah there. So, um, but, but yeah, it seems like he's pulling the, all that together in order to kind of have this, mm-hmm. this little packaged, um, uh, speech that, yeah. that he gives. Yeah. Um, so really, really, really neat. What I want to focus on here is this idea of waiting and advent. And here you have you have a man named Simeon who, you know, probably was older, uh, waiting for, and it says waiting for the consolation of Israel. Um, waiting for the, the the Lord's Christ, is what it says. And I think that's a fascinating thing because because there's so much wrapped into what that actually means. So Ariel, what I wanted to do today was I wanted to walk through the story of the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Big task. That is a big task. <laughs> yeah. But we're not going to, you know, we're not going to retell the whole thing. We only have, we, we only have a few minutes to mm-hmm. do this here, but we're going to walk through the story of the Bible and we're going to look at, um, Advent at waiting mm-hmm. and what we're all waiting for and how we see that play out in the story. Uh, I just think I I, I just think we see it over and over and over again yeah um, and how here we we end up with Simeon who is waiting for this this Christ the consolation of Israel and he finally gets to see him yeah at this point um and what a joy that is so so I would love to kind of walk through that and sort of arrive at man this incredible joy of knowing that, God has actually fulfilled his promises. Yeah, though, so. yeah.
1: So what we're doing, just so our listeners kind of have an understanding, is we're we're, we're using biblical theology right. to walk through um, a theme or a thread that we see throughout the scripture that goes through the whole story and weaves its way through. Yeah.
0: Maybe define biblical theology because mm-hmm. some people might think, is there like non-biblical theology? Yeah, what well, is that?
1: I've heard it contrasted <laughs> with systematic theology where you would just take pieces of what the scripture says about a certain topic and kind of – Form that together to to make a conclusion about what the what the Bible says about yeah. that more that topical thing. exactly more, yeah. yeah. Um, this is taking a theme and it's following the narrative, the story all the way through, mm-hmm. from beginning to end, and it's showing how this um, this theme has been slowly revealed bigger and bigger each time by the Lord. Yeah. Um, till it comes to fuller clarity yeah. in the person and work of of Christ. Nice. Um, so that's what we're we're gonna do. We're gonna try that. Yeah.
0: So where does this start? Where's the first time that we kind of see a uh, an anticipation or a waiting for this Advent?
1: I think just about everything can go ahead and start in Genesis. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> it's mean? True. So it's true. yeah, we'll go back <laughs> yeah. to the garden.
0: Yeah. So what what happens?
1: Um, so you have Adam and Eve who are created by the Lord and they're put into the garden to to rule it and to subdue the earth, and I think that the Lord is is um, giving them a mandate to multiply and to spread out and to spread his dominion over the earth right. through them as image bearers. Um, but then they listen to the serpent who is deceitful, mm-hmm. and they decide their plan is better and that they don't really fully trust that God has something good for them, and they sin, um, we call that the fall, of course. Um, but in that fall, there is this promise that God makes. It's kind of during the um the conviction of of each of the players in this um this fall. And he starts with the serpent and says that um, that the seed of the woman will crush his head, yeah, right? Yeah, and that he will strike his heel. right. And so right from the beginning, he says that there will be someone who will, who will redeem this.
0: Yeah, let's read that passage. This is Genesis 3, uh, verse 15. And actually, I'm going to back up to verse 14 so we have a little bit of context. So this is what God says to the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity... I'm, I st- yeah every I time can't say enmity that wrong. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So yeah yeah I think right there you have this this idea of there's going to be an offspring from the woman, who is going to be injured somehow
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: from this the offspring of the serpent. Okay. Um, but then eventually the offspring, uh, so the they, the translation in the ESV is a little interesting because it uses bruise for both mm-hmm. of those, but the word is, there's a slightly different connotation. Um, I think, the, I think actually the NIV captures it a little bit better because it says, um, he shall crush your head. Yeah. Um, but she shall, but you shall bruise his heel. So, so this idea of, there's a wound that the, uh, this, this offspring will receive from, um. Uh, from the serpent, but, but in the end, the serpent will crush the head uh, or sorry, the, the, the offspring will crush the head of the serpent. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so there's a promise there and the man and the woman are listening to this and hearing this. And they're like, whoa, like the, first of all, the effects of sin are devastating to them. They are, uh, they have all of these the, these curses that are placed upon them. They are kicked out of the garden. Mm-hmm. They are—I um, y- mean, you can just imagine the, the
1: dominion even changes yeah. because really it's kind of given over to the enemy at this point.
0: Where yeah, every everything is altered, is changed, it's destroyed. It's a decreation mm-hmm. that 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 is kind of taking place, and so they're devastated, and they're like, "How can we get back?" What was? How can we get back into this place where we can walk with God again? And God's promised them. Well, it's going to happen through this child, mm-hmm. through this offspring. Yeah, that's going to crush the head of the serpent. So, so what I think is fascinating about this this is this is the the Hebrew stuff that that I, I kind of got into um, a few years ago. W- what's neat about uh, about what happens next is is we get to see in the naming of their descendants. This faith that's passed along in their in their line. Mm-hmm. So when you go to get to Genesis chapter five, you see it says these are the, this is the book of generations of Adam, and he starts to 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 go down the line of Adam through Seth, who was the the, the replacement child, okay, mm-hmm. uh, for for um, for Abel who was murdered. And what's interesting is you begin to see in the naming of these children, you see. This, um, both disappointment that it's not the sun and anticipation for a coming sun, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to actually do this. So like Seth, essentially, I mean, you can translate that in some ways where it can kind of mean like human, like, like a replacement for, or like another Adam type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Enosh can mean ordinary. It's like, oh, he's not the one mm-hmm. he's ordinary. <laughs> Canon as uh, the next one, which technically means lament. Uh, has this uh, or, or could mean lament. So ultimately, it's kind of this disappointment, like oh, he's not the one, you know, which sort of infers maybe they were naming their kids later in life in some ways. Yeah, uh, I ha-
1: you'd have to wonder. Like, yeah. It's interesting.
0: Really interesting. The next one is ma- mahalalel, um, which the the word halal is in there, and that word means praise. Or shine. And so you kind of have this idea of like maybe, maybe this is a, an anticipation of what God is gonna do. Um Jared or Yared uh, um is the next one. That that can mean to uh to ascend or to come. So it's almost like this idea of of uh again, advent. Like an arrival. Arrival. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh Enoch is is the big one because he's the one that doesn't die. God takes him yeah. away, right? And his, his The the so Hebrews is weird. Just a quick back thing. Um, Hebrews is weird because it doesn't have any vowels. Yeah. So the consonants that's in Enoch is the same as the name Hannah, and that is uh, essentially means to be merciful. It's this idea of like maybe maybe God will be merciful to us through this one. You know. Um, So anyway, you start walking through that, and you kind of see both their anticipation and their disappointment that that they're like maybe this will be the one. But no. Yeah, and this is one.
1: this is the line of Seth. And so we're assuming at this point this is the the seed of the woman yep. that is, you know, going to bring someone who will crush the the head of the serpent the serpent. Yeah. Um I think it's it's worth noting that there is always a seed of the serpent too. Mm-hmm. Um and if you kind of follow it through, you can see that Cain yeah. is likely the seed of the serpent.
0: Yeah, chapter four, Genesis mm-hmm. four list out that line. Yeah. Genesis five lists out the line of of the woman. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. we've got those two genealogies running through the Bible. Totally. Yeah.
0: Let's fast forward a little bit to chapter 12 because then we meet someone named...
1: Abram!
0: Abram, right. <laughs> uh, and God promises, makes another promise to Abram through, uh, through all of this. Um, promises basically... Uh, a people, a land and a nation, Mm -hmm. um, in chapter 12. What's fascinating about this is that this promise is something that, um, Abram doesn't really get to see. (laughs) He doesn't, he, it's something again that he has to wait for and he waits his entire life Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and doesn't, and doesn't actually see it come to fruition. You know
1: what a good what a good story to go along with like last week when we were talking about how um, God sometimes messes up our plans or we don't yeah. see the fruit of what God is doing in in the midst of our what we thought should have been our plan. Yeah. So Abram is a really classic example of that for sure.
0: Definitely. So, so he's waiting. Uh, he finally has a son. Mm-hmm. Okay, one son. He's promised a nation. He's promised like his offspring is going to be like yeah, the numbers yeah. uh, of the stars in the sky. Yeah, he hits. He gets one son. Well, he gets
1: two sons. <laughs> if yeah, you want to be true. technical, that's true. The first one isn't done by the plan of the Lord, and yes. so you see that that's kind of like this trying to force God's hand into mm-hmm. His promise, saying, yeah. "You promised me a son, so I'm going to go about my own." Way
0: of I'm gonna take it happening it yeah <laughs>
1: making it happen make it, happening it can you say that happening it I'm gonna happen it
0: <laughs> <laughs> so 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 yeah but so he does eventually have this son um, this is Isaac mm-hmm. Isaac ends up having Jacob mm-hmm. right Jacob and Esau yes uh, the line is not gonna go through the older son Esau it's gonna go through through Jacob, mm-hmm. which that was a whole debacle, right? right. Uh, and then you get to then these, tw- The Jacob has these 12 sons, yeah. right? Um, and from here, that's where we, we begin to see the nation begin to grow. But it doesn't happen in the way that <laughs> they would expect. It's more mm-hmm. waiting. Where are they at this point?
1: So they are in the land of Canaan, correct? No. Right.
0: Yeah, they start in Canaan. Yep. And then Joseph's whole story. Right. And, right. And
1: Joseph. So we see that Jacob is playing favoritism, and he has a favorite. Yeah. And so you know, anytime God's working out His plan, and you're like, mm, I just, I really have a favorite, and you think I'm going to happen, I'm going to make it, I'm going to happen it this <laughs> way, I'm happen it. Uh,
0: that's gonna catch for on. For a people. while in the
1: story. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. For a while in the story. You know, I was it was very recent that I realized how far the um people of Israel might have thought it would have been through the line of Joseph in Manasseh. Sure. Yeah. And before before it takes a turn and it actually shows that um that God's line comes through Judah. Yeah. Who look is how prominent the third Joseph was. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting that it's not through Joseph and it's not through the oldest. It's right. not through uh, Simeon, right? Or
1: it might be Reuben. Oh,
0: Reuben. Yeah, uh-huh. you're, you're right. So, so he's not through the oldest. It's not through the most prominent. Yeah. It's through another one.
1: Yeah. The third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first two are nasty folks and they do all kinds of horrible things. And, <laughs> They, you just keep seeing even like with um, with Esau where they could have had the opportunity but they forfeit it. Yes. So
0: totally. Yeah. Totally. So they go down. They they start living in Egypt. There's a famine that's going on. Egypt has food. Joseph ends up giving provision for them to hang out down in Egypt in this land called Goshen. That's really near there, and and that's where they begin to multiply. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the people begin to develop like like they all have kids and they have kids and they have yeah, kids. And
1: what's so cool is at the beginning of, um, of, is it Exodus? They talk about the, let's, let's go there. Can I go sure. to the beginning of Exodus here in the beginning of Exodus in chapter one? Um, they're talking about how the people are, are starting to become oppressed by the Pharaoh because the Pharaoh no longer knows Joseph and mm-hmm. his family. Yeah, And so um, the, the people of, of Israel's tribe are just starting to, like outgrow the Egyptians kind of. Um, And so it says here that in in verse 12 of chapter one, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And so it's like they're fulfilling that mandate of being fruitful and, and multiplying, but God is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought that it was so interesting that the more that um, the enemy tries to like crush the ability for the the seed of the serpent, or I'm sorry, the seed of the woman to take mm-hmm. place, yeah, um, the more that God is is sovereign and and makes sure that it happens.
0: Yeah, takes care of them mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we see this like this. The, the people begin to grow there, but they still don't have a land. They right. still don't really have a nation. They're just this people that live in Goshen. And they're there for how long? 430 years mm-hmm. that they're waiting. They're, again, waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. Um, even when they get out of Egypt, right? They go through the Exodus. They go through the waters. They go to Mount Sinai. They receive the law. They're, then they're about – like. Numbers chapter, I think it's Numbers chapter one talks about how it should take them 11 days to get from Mount Sinai up to Canaan to start taking over the land. And they botch it <laughs> in, in that it's 11 just, days to where they have to now wait 40 more years. That's
1: unfathomable. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah.
0: Wow. And a whole generation of people have to die in the wilderness mm-hmm, before. So, mm-hmm. so th- that generation will also not see the promise fulfilled. Yeah. So it's more waiting more waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's fast forward some more. They get into the land. Uh, Joshua helps them to take over the land, right? They they do this incredible campaign to go through, and they're supposed to destroy all of the nations that are in the land, mm-hmm. and they don't. They don't actually end up doing all of that. Which
1: is fascinating. So let's talk about Joshua's name for a minute. Can you kind of talk about that?
0: <laughs> I, want
1: you, I want you to tell me, because of your Hebrew um, yeah. background, can you kind of... Unpack that
0: a bit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Joshua in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is the same name as Jesus. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. really fascinating.
1: Now, Mind blown.
0: Yeah. Now there's a there's a big picture that that's kind of happening there, like in the history of Israel up to this point. You're actually seeing a picture of what God is doing in our lives, and this is maybe a side point. So you can this will this will be the the freebie for the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what you see here is a picture of our justification. sanctification and our glorification. So, so so you see, first of all, uh, the exodus out of Egypt through the waters is this justification. So the people don't have to do anything. Um, they are, uh, they just walk out of of Egypt. Um, and they are, um, they are freed from the bondage of slavery. They are, um, redeemed from the hand of Pharaoh And, and
1: given a status that yeah. They didn't earn. Just... Given,
0: given a status as a people group yeah. now, they are the Israelites. They are the Hebrews. You know, um, so so they they step out of there and they do so through water, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. So you have a picture even there of baptism as this uh, initiation rite into this people group. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a, this picture of our justification. Their forty years of wandering in the desert really is a picture of their sanctification. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that time, they're learning what it means to trust God. Uh, learning what it means to rely on Him day after day with the manna and the water, and 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 uh, going back to the law, like th- that they're that they're following the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke as it's wandering through the desert, and and so they're learning what it means to just be the people of God, to be a a free people now, mm-hmm. and that's what our sanctification is like. We're we're kind of figuring that out. We're learning what that means to to be. Uh, people who have been made free, mm-hmm. who used to be in bondage. And then finally, it's not Moses that takes them into the land, but it's Joshua. right? Joshua, whose name is the same as Jesus, takes them into the promised land. And that's a that's a uh, I think a picture of then our sanctification, or no I'm sorry, our glorification, mm-hmm. that one day um, that the Lord will uh, either he will return, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or he will take us home, mm-hmm. and in that time we will be able to go into the land, and it will be, um, it will be bountiful. It'll be beautiful. It'll be exactly uh, it, everything that Canaan was was promised to be, mm-hmm. but ended up not being because of the the problems that happened. Yeah,
1: because of you know? sin. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, so anyway, that's the little freebie for the for the day.
1: This is all free.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> so, well, con- continuing in the story, they get into the land. Um, they think it's going to be it. This is just awesome. They're like, okay, you know, we had the judges, and things get terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that all kind of goes downhill.
1: So the, I, th- I think it's interesting here for a second. Like, they are learning how to be a people of God who are set apart. Yeah. And they're looking around seeing all these other nations yes. have a king, and they're like, we want one. Right. We want one, too.
0: Right. We just want to so, be like yeah, everyone else. Yeah. So that's what they do. And they get, of course.
1: So. The, they get Saul,
0: King Saul. Yeah, yeah. They pick him because he's the tallest and the handsomest.
1: Handsomest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it both ways. So um,
1: <laughs> both ways have you? No, both. sorry, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, sorry.
0: Man, I'm making fun of me.
1: <laughs> You'll have to get that too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so King Saul ends up being. Uh, I mean, he does some good things. He does more terrible things, uh, and and things don't end very well. Well, for Saul, and he ends up. Uh, dying by his own sword. Um, then after this, you get King David. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about King David is, again, we're talking about waiting. We're waiting for this this son, this child of the woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent. And people really thought David was the one. Mm-hmm. Man, this kid had everything going for him, right? Yeah. I mean, he was the one that that killed Goliath as, yeah. as a child. He was the one. I mean, uh, there's this one passage it's in the um the n e t bible the net bible they it translates it as he was he's Israel's most popular musician <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's fascinating um he he's popular, he is talented, he is a good leader, he mm. is a warrior, he is everything that they're like, yes, he's the one, and then he fails, yeah, he fails. um We read about how he um ends up uh first of all uh, committing adultery Mm -hmm. with Bathsheba, uh, in order to cover his tracks, uh, he ends up committing murder and kills her husband Uriah. And, um, and all of that leads him to Psalm 51, where he confesses that he has sinned against God and only against God has he sinned. And and this is what what he says, which is, I think such a humble place to be, Mm -hmm. to say like, yeah, this is, this is what I've done, yeah, uh, and I've offended you, and so and so, so so he confesses. Him and Bathsheba end up having another child named Solomon. Solomon kind of starts well, but ends terribly mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, ends up succumbing to the vice of of many women. Has mm-hmm. basically a thousand women that he's yeah involved and sort with. of
1: syncretizes with their gods, and yes. just allows their influence to kind of just muddy what what he'd been set up. Exactly.
0: And so he, his reign kind of ends poorly. And then he has a son named Rehoboam. And this is where things get really crazy because Rehoboam, now remember they're still waiting. They're like, when is this son going to come? They're still waiting. So Rehoboam shows up and he seeks some poor counsel and ends up making a decision as king that leads to a civil war. And the nation is now divided. This nation that was promised to them, this family of God that was promised, is now divided between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. So, Ariel, really quick, tell us about what happens with the northern kingdom of Israel, because they're the ones that fall first. So what what mm-hmm. happens with them? Mm-hmm. Why 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 do they end up falling first?
1: So all throughout the book of Kings you see how it's kind of a, a twofold story where it keeps jumping back and forth between um, the 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 southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel, right? And you get to see over and over that they have these kings right after each other, another one that is, that follow in the steps of their their father, and they just keep messing up and are evil, yeah, or even more evil than the last, right? Which is kind of the the, the I, theme. I, I love how it, even scripture
0: tries to like kind of rate them like yeah. he was more evil than this one or and did less evil evilest. than this one. You yeah. Know?
1: yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so then you see that, you know, they just keep falling in the way of idolatry and, um, having, um, just committing adultery against the one true God yeah. who they were, they were, um, created to be the, the chosen, um, priesthood for, for this one true God. Yeah. And so, um, they're dispersed by Assyria who was a, a bloody evil, um, opponent um, we see them talked about a little bit in Judah where, I'm sorry, not Judah, um, Jonah, Yeah, where the prophet Jonah is even commissioned to go and to preach to them, to yeah. the Assyrians. Um, but they were, they were very um, brutal. Um, and so they come in and they, they ransack and, and take um, captives. And
0: yeah, well, and well, the, the thing with the Assyrians was they would actually destroy their major cities and then take the surviving people mm-hmm. and disperse them into other other lands. So Assyria was kind of a global superpower at the time. So they had a lot of – they actually had accumulated a lot of the different nations. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they took all the people and they scattered them everywhere. Yeah. And by scattering them, w- what that did was is it made it so that they could not gather together to, to, to have sort of a, a community again right. where they could maybe um, in their eyes, in the eyes of the Assyrians – um, they wouldn't be able to establish forces against the Assyrian Empire, and they
1: certainly wouldn't have been able to worship together. Exactly, and so it, it's kind of like death by assimilation.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, so that that happened, and that nation, uh, the Northern Kingdom of Israel, only lasted about two hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, the Southern Kingdom of Judah lasted an extra one hundred and fifty years after that because they actually they had some good kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Israel had all bad kings um, yeah. <laughs> they, they, but there were some good kings in the northern kingdom or in the southern kingdom and um and so because of that they they had these little glimmers of hope like like maybe Josiah was gonna be mm-hmm. the one you know that that would be this this son because he was he was so young and they're like maybe he's the one, you know yeah. things like that yeah. um but then in the end, um, the wicked kings of Israel lead again uh, lead the nation to idolatry, mm-hmm. and and then eventually the Lord brings the new global superpower, who is now Babylon, mm-hmm. in to destroy the nation of Israel. And in this case, instead of instead of dispersing them, ninety um, percent of the people in the land of Judah were killed. The ten percent that were left were taken captive, mm-hmm. and they were taken up to uh, Babylon in captivity. And so this whole promise of this son, of waiting for the son, seemed so um, hopeless. Right, right. At this point, I mean, this is the darkest time in the history of Israel. That, like all of the hope of the promises of God, have uh, of God have been just dashed. Mm-hmm. All of it's been gone. Um, and then you get to some passages in the prophets, and I want to I want to turn over there really quick to Isaiah chapter forty. Okay. Um, Isaiah 40 is sort of this turning point in the book of Isaiah because up until this point, Isaiah is indicting the people for their, their idolatry, um, for what they've done against the Lord and their sin. But then verse 40, you have this shift that takes place. And he says this, he says, he says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then we get a, a prophecy. It says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, of Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord, the glory of Yahweh shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. Mm-hmm. This is obviously tied to the coming of Christ, right? Uh, this this idea of like, wow, like God has not forgotten
1: mm-hmm.
0: His promise.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, your ears perked up whenever you hear that. Make straight um, in the desert a highway for our God, because right. it sounds like what John the Baptist says. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what he quotes. Um, and so like the rest of Isaiah, you get these glimpses of what this person is going to be like, what this son is going to be mm-hmm. like. He calls him the, the shoot from the stump of Jesse. Mm-hmm. He calls him um, the suffering servant, right? We get these pictures of of who this, this son is going to be. Let's fast forward again. Okay. Fast forward again now to Ezekiel 37. Now Ezekiel's writing at the time of uh, the exile, mm-hmm. which, while the people are in exile,
1: and you're talking about the, the kingdom of Judah or both,
0: the kingdom of Judah. Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. Judah is in exile, and every and then Israel is all scattered still.
1: Yeah, and um, I guess it's worth uh, saying too that the the nation of or the northern kingdom of Israel, as they disperse and kind of assimilate, that's where you get the Samaritans. Correct. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So in Ezekiel 37 that it starts out with the this the dry bones picture okay this this valley of dry bones and so if you go back and read it it's it's a it's a it's an amazing picture of what God does breathing life into people mm-hmm. um and um ultimately I think it's a picture of the restoration of of Israel um the redemption of 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 God's people, uh, a fulfillment yeah. of promises yeah. and ultimately the coming resurrection. I think it, it, it points to that as well.
1: Well, if you think about it in their context and you've got, um, was it Jeconiah who was the King that, um, that God kind of just pulls his whole Royal line from him and says, I yes. will not create, I will not have a son come from you that right. will, that will be my Um, my fruit, which was
0: right. He was the King right before the exile. Yes.
1: And so he actually exiles to Babylon, Mm -hmm. um, without his eyes, by the way. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Without his eyes. See the Bible is so great for bedtime stories. (laughs) Um, and, and then the Lord, um, does this thing where he knits it back together and brings, um, the line back together through Zerubbabel. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that's that's so helpful to, to, to see this context where they think that their line is dead. Yes. Like they think it's dead. There's no way that it would have life breathed back into it. And and God does this word picture through uh, this valley of dry bones where yeah. he takes something dead and, and makes it alive. Totally.
0: I, I mean, again, I think we see that in Isaiah with the shoot from the stump of Jesse. If you have a tree stump, mm-hmm. I mean, that tree is dead. It's been cut. Yeah. But now you have a shoot that's going to yeah. spring forth from it too. That's cool. um, but then in this one, there's another image. This is in Ezekiel 37. Verse 15, he says, the word of the Lord, this is right after the Valley of Dry Bones. And then it says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim and all the house of Israel associated with him and join them one to another into one stick that they may become one in your hand. What this is, is it's a visual picture to Ezekiel that God is going to take the people from Judah and then the people from Joseph, essentially. So that's the Northern Kingdom of Israel because his, um, Ephraim and Manasseh are, are his two sons. Those are mm-hmm. the two tribes that were in the, the major players in the Northern Kingdom. And so he's basically painting this picture of Southern Kingdom is this one stick. The uh, Northern Kingdom is this other stick. He says, put them together it's cool. He's going to restore everything everything. And so there's these prophecies over and over again of like he's going to gather his people that have been scattered among the nations and bring them back
1: mm-hmm. to
0: himself. And he's going to take the people from Babylon and bring them back to um uh back into their into their land. But all of this is is really to fulfill the first
1: promise
0: um, of what God is doing with this son that's going to crush the head of the serpent. That's what God is building towards through all of this. When we get to the minor prophets, um, Ariel, one of the things that they talk about is this idea over and over again of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Why do they call it that? Because that's just doesn't seem like if God's so loving why would there be this great and terrible day
1: oh i think you know we see over and over and and actually if you want to reconcile the old testament lord with the new testament lord mm-hmm. you have to see he's been the same the whole time Absolutely. he's always been 100% just and 100% good um in order to be 100% perfect mm-hmm. and so uh and so this great and terrible day of the lord I assume is talking about the fact that his justice will will come to fruition right. as well as his salvation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so for those who have been in rebellion against God, it will be terrible
1: mm-hmm. because there
0: will be justice that will be brought upon them. Right. And then for those who have been God's people, who God has called, um, that they will, it will be great mm-hmm. because it will be this day of of redemption. You know, everything that that we've been. That the whole story of the Bible has been building towards is mm-hmm. all going to come true, and all those promises will come true. Yeah. Well, um, so we see that all through the minor prophets, um, and and it's a it it, it it's it, when you read through the minor prophets, to me, it's building towards this anticipation, like it's coming, it's coming. Just wait, you know. It, you know, uh, God has not forgotten us. His promises will come true, and you get to the very end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And you have this kind of interesting passage as the New Testament closes, or I'm sorry, as the Old Testament closes. He says, "'Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction.'" What does that, what does that mean? Like why, who, so Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. Mm -hmm. What does he mean when he's, when he says, I'm going to send you Elijah?
1: Mm -hmm. I think, I think that someone will come in the, in the way of Elijah, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Who is making a way for the Lord who will um, declare the, the, uh, the Messiah is, is, is coming. And so, um and that's and that i think we see fulfilled in John the Baptist.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Jesus says that specifically that right. this is this is the new Elijah. Uh-huh. And so John the Baptist not only fulfills this prophecy of the Elijah to come that's ushering in the way of the Lord mm-hmm. but then calls back to Isaiah, right? With that with Isaiah 40 where it's like, you know, uh mm-hmm. prepare the way of the Lord in the desert, you know, make straight paths for him. So, so, so John the Baptist shows up. This is a huge cue. This is why John the Baptist is included in, in the the three synoptic gospels because um, he's a fulfillment of these promises. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so, so John the Baptist shows up uh, make, making this way for the Lord to come. And then there's Jesus. Jesus is born. And so then, you know, we, we fast forward again, but uh, really quickly, not to not to skip over too much there, but there was also another 400 years of silence yeah. between when Malachi wrote and then when Jesus actually arrived. So we are, what we're looking at here is a story of waiting. Um, it's a story of from, you know, uh, from the very, very beginning, whenever that was, uh, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, whenever, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, and even if we want to put a, a finer date on it, um, we can go to Abraham, who probably lived somewhere around the year uh, 2000 BC. Okay, so so even just from Abraham, we're talking about waiting for 4,000 years up until like this point for for us today, mm-hmm. right? And to a certain extent, we've we've seen Jesus come, but we're still waiting for some of the promises to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. We're still waiting for. For him to return, we're still waiting for um, for all of his people to be gathered together. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still waiting for, for all of us to be able to go into the promised land,
1: <laughs> yeah. you know, uh,
0: for him to, to return to us.
1: And that's where we get that really cool phrase, the already and not yet, Yeah. Uh, because you get to see that the eschaton or the end is already brought near when Christ comes to the earth and yeah. he fulfills so much of this prophecy they've been waiting for. Um, and so we get to join him in that our status has changed as, um, as being in Christ. Um, and we are part of his kingdom. We already have a citizenship in heaven, um, that is already yet it's not fulfilled and full
0: Yeah,
1: and that's what we're waiting for.
0: Right. Right. So I, I love that, that the way that Luke talks about this, the story of Simeon, mm-hmm. um, brings all of what we've just talked about over the this, this last, you know, 40 minutes to mind, you mm-hmm. know, because, because what it says is, you know, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout. What is he doing? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel, Yeah, which brings, I mean, that Isaiah passage to mind, you know, comfort, comfort my people. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah.
1: And I was going to say, if you want to get really technical, when we taught through Haggai Mm. um, and they rebuilt the temple back in those minor prophets as before you hit the 400 years of silence, um, typically when they would build the the temple, God's glory would fill it, right? Yes. And they don't see this visible representation of the Lord filling that temple with glory. In the second temple. In that second temple. Right. Until you get to Luke's gospel and you see that Jesus is brought in. As a baby.
0: He's filling the temple. Yeah. He's brought in. Yeah, absolutely. And so he is, he is assured. He's like, this is it. This mm-hmm. is the one. This is, this is the one that we've been waiting for. And not just that he's been waiting for for his whole life, but that the nation of Israel has been waiting for since Abraham, that the people of God have been waiting for since Genesis 3.15. Yeah. Um, that is unbelievable. So cool. Unbelievable. Well, I, I hope that today this was just encouraging to you, um, maybe brings you some joy as you're getting ready for Christmas, that you would, that you would recognize that the, the waiting that you are experiencing right now is part of thousands of years of God's people waiting for God to fulfill his promises. And what God, I think, has shown us over and over again is that he is always faithful to mm-hmm. fulfill his promises, mm-hmm. that he always will make good on what he said.
1: Yeah. And I, I would just, um, I would love to close with revelation because oh, yeah. that's the end. That's the other end of the book. And, and Ariel just
0: took a class on revelation. I so did. bring it, bring yeah. it.
1: <laughs> oh golly. There's so many ways in here that the Lord reveals himself and what he's about to do. in um, in the end of all things, but, um, that day of the Lord sounds so, so scary. And when you listen to the minor prophets and read what, um, how it's described and, um, and just, just the scariness of that. But the, there is no fear for you if you are in Christ, um, and and really, you know, um, believer, know that you can be edified, knowing that your your role is to cling to the name of Christ and to walk in um, His truth until that day mm-hmm. arrives, um, whether your death comes first or He comes back first. Um, but. I love these words that I've been studying in, um, part of his letters, um, where Christ is speaking to the church. Yeah. And, um, and then, uh, in chapter two, he says to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. Um, mm. and you think about him being the bread of life. Like he, he is so good that he satisfies all things and I'll give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. We receive a whole new identity. We see, we receive all of our, um, our needs fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ forever and ever. And yeah. we get to have a place in his glory. It's yeah. just amazing.
0: So good. Yeah. So good. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone have a wonderful uh, holiday with your with your families and friends, um, celebrating safely, of course, uh, celebrating the advent of Christ, and we will be back um, in January. Uh, the next episode of the Sunday Recap will be on uh, coming out Wednesday, January sixth. So we will see you then, and have a uh, have a great couple of weeks. Talk to you later.